Welcome to the LSE Events Podcast by the London School of Economics and Political Science. Get ready to hear from some of the most influential international figures in the social sciences. I'd like to welcome everyone to the London School of Economics for this hybrid event. My name is Minou Shafiq and I'm the director of the London School of Economics and Political Science and we are incredibly pleased to welcome you here today to the Sheikh Zayed Theatre, as well as to welcome the 600 people we have online who are participating in this event. The theme of today's event is architecture, the infrastructure of society, which has been jointly organized by the Pritzker Architectural Prize and our very own specialist urban and architectural unit here called LSE Cities. And in a moment, I'll be handing over to Professor Ricky Badet, Director of LSE Cities, who will moderate the discussion and introduce our truly exceptional panel today. For us at LSE, it is a huge honor to welcome six of the world's most talented architects, all of whom have received over the past couple of years the coveted Pritzker Prize, the Nobel Prize of Design. And it's a wonderful opportunity to collaborate with the Pritzker family of Chicago, who for 40 years have led this enlightened philanthropic initiative. And I'm especially delighted to welcome members of this year's jury for the Pritzker Architectural Prize here today. I was especially excited when the Pritzkers contacted me to ask whether the LSE would be interested in hosting the 2022 award ceremony in our newest architectural gem, the Marshall Building just around the corner, designed by grafted architects and with much gratitude to Yvonne and Shelley who are here with us today, who designed it for us. It opened just a few months ago and it has totally transformed the experience for students, staff at the LSE, given us an elegant front door and given us a welcoming environment in which everyone wants to hang out as students do. Past venues for the ceremony, I understand, have been the Hermitage in St. Petersburg and the Imperial Palace in Tokyo. And I thought, that's pretty good company for us <laughs> to keep. And so we enthusiastically agreed to host. For me personally, it's also a very special uh, occasion. I've trained as an economist and worked most of my life as an economist, but if I had to do it over again, I would have wanted to be an architect. <laughs> um, I think because while I have a deep appreciation that architecture provides the infrastructure of society, I also understand that it provides the infrastructure of our interior worlds as well and has a profound impact in our daily lives. Over the past few weeks, I've been immersed in the difficult and very exhilarating and challenging process of choosing a designer for our next building on Lincoln's Inn Fields. And it's been a very good reminder of the importance of design in creating and shaping our everyday lives as institutions, as individuals, and as citizens. And that's why today's events, the architecture, architecture the infrastructure of society is both timely and relevant. The environmental and social consequences of the decisions we take today about our buildings and our cities will literally determine the well-being of generations to come and how we shape our world and shape ourselves. And that's why we at LSE are committed and proud of the fact that we are the first university in the UK to be net zero and we have invested hugely in building buildings of lasting quality. 
I'm sure these topics will be covered very well by our panel over the next hour. And I now hand over to Ricky Baudet, who will guide you for the rest of the event. Ricky. Thank you. Minouche referred to six um, award-winning architects. I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> the other one is Alejandro Aravena, also won the Pritzker a few years ago, and I'll introduce him in a second. So my name is Ricky Burdett. I'm director of LSE Cities, one of the research centers here uh, at the school, and I'm going to moderate the, the rest of the session until 2.15 when we're due to end. Um, just a few housekeeping rules before I start. For those who are on uh, Twitter users, the hashtag is, you can see it, hash LSE Pritzker. The event is being recorded, and hopefully if there are no mess-ups, technical mess-ups, it will be available uh, as a podcast quite soon. Um, there'll be a chance of those of you in the room uh, and also those of you virtually to actually put questions to the panel, who I'll introduce <clears throat> in a second. Um, if you're in the room, put your hand up. This is nearer the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the session. Put your hands up, wait for a microphone to come. Say who you are, uh, please, and ask a question. Don't make a 20-minute speech. That's uh, otherwise the LSE does things. Um, and obviously the same sort of applies to those of you who are listening virtually. Uh, we have a very packed hour and you know, like good cities, it will be dense, it will be compact and it will be a little bit messy. Uh, but um, I mean, what has already been alluded to is that we don't have one Pritzker prize winner. We have six of them here seven. in a room, which is very- Seven. seven. Where? There's more. So I'm talking about this side. Otherwise, it's 25. <laughs> no, 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 if I start counting, it's embarrassing. So I won't. And just, just to um, remind you that the mission of the Pritzker Prize is that it, uh, the individual who is recognized is for lifetime work. It's not just for a one-off project. And it's for built work that has produced consistent and significant contributions to humanity and the built environment through the art of architecture. So I'll ask Alejandro Aravena, who's this year's chair of the, the, not this year, at the moment is the chair of the Pritzker Prize jury, to actually come on stage and read out parts of the nomination. Just one second, Alejandro, just one second. Um, Francis will then, uh, after that, come here to the lectern and give a 20-minute presentation of his work, so you can all enjoy the quality uh, of uh, the work that has been recognized. Uh, when you finish, Francis, um, we will all come back onto the stage and we will have a discussion with your four colleagues uh, next to you. Uh, we have Yvonne Farrell and Shelley McNamara, who, of course, uh, not only have designed the building uh, right across the road for us, but won the Pritzker Prize as Grafton Architects two years ago. But they weren't able to have a party. Right. And next to them are Anne Lacaton and Jean-Philippe Vassal, of Lacaton Vassal, based in Paris, who won the Pritzker Prize last year, and they weren't able to have a party. So the fact that we're here, Francis, to celebrate you is really all about getting together and having uh, a party. That's the only good thing that COVID, that COVID has actually done. Uh, so. So um, we've already mentioned uh, that the Pritzker jury has been very dynamic and active in coming to London. We're delighted that you've chosen the LSE, of course, to do this with Manuela Lucadazio, who's the new executive director of the Pritzker size. We thought that we should just exploit this moment and have all of you here 
uh, and discuss this notion of how architecture has a social, economic, and environmental dimension. With that, I would like to ask Alejandro Rivera to come to the stage. Okay, so just a quick introduction. Um, last week in Santiago, I uh, was interviewed as part of the International Women Forum. And one of the first questions I got was, well, you know, the profession architecture has been lately dominated by white male, whatever. Take a look at the panel today. It's not only a message, not so much a message that the jury may be sending, but actually a consequence if you listen to what is changing in the world. And the reason is not just out of fairness or it's justice. Whenever you're facing complex questions, you would like to make sure not to miss any dimensions. So this diversity expresses the need to capture those wavelengths that normally were not integrated into the questions. What type of questions, and this is the only thing I will read about the citation. What is the role of architecture in context of extreme scarcity? What is the right approach to the practice when working against all odds? Should it be modest and risk succumbing to adverse circumstances? Or is modesty the only way around to be pertinent and achieve results? Should it be ambitious in order to inspire change? Or does ambition run the risk of being out of place and of resulting in architecture or mere wishful thinking and actually never happen? So I guess that those type of questions, we can't have a better uh, expression of that as Francie, but it's exactly the same thing for the other architects that finally get to celebrate their award. So Francis, floor is yours. So it's, um, I will make sure that you don't see that I'm very emotional, but it's not easy uh, to, honestly speak to you. Um, this morning, my daughter Josephine, who is with us here, tried to, some fits. A friend of mine gave her some clothes to, to dress, and one was so tight, very tight. And she said, I cannot breathe. So now, right now, standing in front of all of you, Ravena, Chelly, um, uh, Yvonne, Anne, Jean-Philippe, Shashima, Manuela, I mean, I feel it's so tight, but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy you don't see it. So <laughs> my friend from New York, from Arc Record that has been going with me. So as I told you, I will try my best. I say, it's just a lecture to show you a little bit what I'm doing, okay? So I'm so grateful to be here, honestly. So this is my village. I had no master plan. <laughs> I simply had a big heart for my community. And then what you will see here is the story about someone coming from a place where people used to deal with nature, taking from nature what is given by nature, but today facing an increasingly growing population and facing poverty. But it doesn't mean that we have to give up and I was a privilege, I could get to school. And yet you see is a result of what, you know, 
a big heart for your community can bring you to do. First of all, I had to study architecture, I did it. And then I didn't want to finish studying, you know, after two years studying architecture in Berlin, I feel I had, enough, I had accumulated enough knowledge, so I will stop, I'll go home to just start to build. Um, today, I'm very happy to have a good professor who told me later, hey, hey, we know you have a big heart for your community, you can build, but do your degree. I'm happy that I did it. So, um, <clears throat> fact is I'm coming from the place, if you build a straight wall for anybody in that community that is capable of standing to rainy season, you are a hero. That is it, simply. So, and so that is how you see, in the meantime, it's not me that put this road, this straight road, it's coming from the government. And they put it straight ahead to a women's center that I'm struggling to finish since years. Um, up you see uh, the, the school extension that I'm even, the high school, a big, the biggest project that I'm doing in the village that I'm, I haven't completed yet. Because I'm still fighting to find resources to do it. And to start the project, I had to create the foundation to really raise the money needed. And if you have been my colleague at university, you will see that I will ask you to drink less coffee. That is true, it's not an invention. It came by accident. One day, a colleague of mine was so aggressive. And while I was doing model for Gando, he was so aggressive. How do you do to get him away? I had the idea to create something for my people. He was, he was having another problem that was like, for me, it's, you know, nothing. And I just said, if you, reduce smoking and drinking less coffee, you will be much more calm. <laughs> he went back and he came and put the equivalent of one cup of coffee in the model that I was doing. And those, I didn't invent, I had no master plan. And the idea of rising money was born out of that. And then the other colleagues had to put money. And that is my real story. Of course, today I have to be intellectual. <laughs> and you have to know that if you have a conference with Aravena, with Chelly, with Yvonne that are being knowing so long, with Anne and Jean-Philippe, I always fear because they say that is another league already. But you can imagine what will be with Shashima, what will be the other with the other. And so seeing that attention for my work, it's, it's more than a gift. It's something incredible to me. So here the, the project. So this is this campus, how it looks today, teacher housing, school, and many other infrastructure. And it was built, honestly, don't think about what is writ, writ, written today like with the community empowering. For me, it was part of what we do in the village to get together and getting be done. That is it. So use the, what exists in the culture to create things for the community. And that is why it's not just me. And if I see these pictures, I will fall many, many times in love with these women singing. You know, Yvonne, I will not dance because of all of you. Now I have become a serious architect. I cannot dance. I cannot show how exciting it is to listen to the drum and how with the rhythm of the music, people get united and create 
a floor that is so flat that it doesn't need an architect. That is what I've learned from my community. You know, polishing the floor. How can I forget that? So as a student, you go down, you start to think about roofing. You start to ask your, some of your teachers, when you said I'm going to build, they get afraid. We will never sign these, Francis. <laughs> Getting afraid. I had to undergo risk and do everything by myself. And that is the result. And honestly, this building is 22 years today. Because of COVID, we haven't had the chance to celebrate uh, 20 years anniversary. I have been pushed now by my team to do, but we couldn't. Uh, but it's standing, it's coming out any maintenance. And for my people, now for the people in Burkina, it's like a miracle. You know, that is what in the Western world, I often think that you're so spoiled, you have everything and you don't know the value, but you have education, you know, you know. And so now it's a classroom, very cool. Kids, very happy. Some of them are teachers now that you see are nurse, are many, many function and even studying as my uncle that is here may confess. Really, really. So the project just started. There was no master plan. There was always a need. And I had to run, find money and do. And again, honestly, being giving lectures, I love to share. But the reason were to get money for myself, even to invest in the project, you know. But I did it because I love it. I love architecture. You can change a lot. Can do library, but look at these young people. There's a lot of talent. What is missing is opportunities. And I didn't plan to do, you know, I just did it, you know, and that is the result. <clears throat> My team present here feel very sad about this. I don't have time to document. Thanks to Eric Yan that is here today, or even that I get some pictures. I will simply be running to make things happen, have no time to document. When we get the announcement and Eunice wanted to have pictures, we took a look at, and there was missing pictures with myself. I was the one with the camera documenting my people working. <laughs> How can you tell? So, but this project is more than you saw in the images. This is like a powerful expression, how you can learn from a given culture, how light is being used to create a structure. It is solid, it is standing, it is working, it is open. They can sit, you don't need energy to cool it. So another project, Gando was a story. Now we get hired to do many, many projects. One of them is this one. I will go speed, don't worry. Uh, that is like a campus. So, and here for other clients, we start to do just one little project, a classroom. And this is a project that grew to become a university from a high school to become a campus. And this is what I love. I can't avoid then to show you that. That is part of my work. To get suddenly in a community, at the beginning there was a, ah, he was able to do this in this village. What would, will be with another village? This one is, is a, this city is even 450 kilometers from Gando. But look, at these women are not coming from Gando. So it is normal. People in Burkina work very hard 
You just need to show them what you want to do and they will find solutions to help you. These women are earning money, a lot of money, good money in Burkina Faso to feed their family. And I'm getting a building, be done. But then a building that grows in the heart of the people is not like a white elephant, just show it. So today, no matter what complicated I will do there, people know it's for them and they were part of it, you know? So sometimes like a meditation, you see them sitting, sending the wood, preparing them to be part of a facade. And the leftover, I don't need to say what we do with it, you will see the result. And believe me, these primitively, yeah, I don't know, these like on the site, created furniture are now even in Germany in one museum. Uh, in Philadelphia is already in the museum. So for sure, uh, the, the, the head of this school will get one shot, I'm sure. <laughs> so there is it. So ventilation tower, what how I do? I'm trying to integrate passive ideas. In the place where I live, scarcity is what we have. But we could use it to create great spaces like this. This picture is like six, seven years old. These trees that you see now are so big. That's why we don't document. Andrea and Jaime that are here are angry. We couldn't send someone during Prisca uh, because the country is suffering a big war, a civil war, very strong one. So that is how we use space. Shared place, food will be distributed to the kids, a classroom, well-ventilated, open. So, but we also do something that you don't know. Burkina is dry. Landscaping architect, it doesn't exist. So the architect is the landscaping architect. You bring the solutions. So even vegetable garden, that is coming from me and certainly being taken by the partner to become part of the curricula. You see the vegetable garden on the back, but you see what we do with the pot. We dig a big hole just to plant trees. And in this pot, we put, this is rainy season, but normally we would fill this with water and it drop. If you talk to me coming from the West, if you are someone that I respect, you say, ah, why you don't put pipes? I will never tell you yeah, something that you know that I will say. <laughs> so I will politely keep doing that, you know? Because for me, that is the best way to do it. If it breaks, people will fix it. If you put plastic, so, you know, it's a good idea, but not for me. And so you will see, uh, artists will say, but that is art. I don't care, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it is a mean to create, you know, a green place. Let's say uh, an oasis, a place that kids can stay during the day. And you will see growing like this, or you create a kitchen. So you try to find benches, places where these young people can sit during the day and while your trees are growing. And you start to create benches around them. That's what I'm doing, you know. So the same site. As I told you from a high school, it grew to become a university, different techniques that I even publish because I haven't finished the research. This is not rammed earth, neither concrete, but it's pouring clay, like concrete. I've been training, I do research in secret, you know, not to be put under pressure to prove. 
the proof is, is it working the country and it withstand the, the element, you know? And so here, for the first time, we created form and I was happy with my team that we came out with this idea. With this form, I even don't need to go to the construction site. We have the drawing, I'll go to check and they will pull one classroom at one time. And so you will see how the campus is growing. Every time when there is a need for a classroom, we will add. And then you see what we're creating. And at the same time, settlements are growing around this infrastructure because something is coming. That is the opportunity where we can teach our kids. So we make fast that we create housing around. Yeah. The same technique. And I will use any local wood I can to create a nice ceiling. And that is a campus. So I love that. I see the light. I realize that in my work, I'm putting light in places where there is nothing. So sometimes we have inspiration that is weird, but good. Here in Turkana, far from every urban settlement, a friend wanted to create a university. Okay? Okay. But I don't want them to graduate, to have a high school degree. They don't need a high school degree to attend. I want to have refugees. Our friends in Australia, Germany, the US, we will just recruit them, give them a laptop, and train them how to design. You know, I say, wow, oh, oh, what a crazy idea. And okay, let's try. And inspired by termite, it's very dry. I don't check the time, but I almost finish. And you create structure in the middle of where, where you have no opportunities. Um, and that is it. Select campus. And you have towers to increase ventilation. The, there is even hotter than Gando. But I'm used to deal with hard calmite, you know. And then we created classrooms using the rocks to create all the buildings and put the plaster to, you know, over, uh, avoid overheating. Granite is getting hot. It's like almost concrete. It conducts rain. But you have a layer of plaster outside. And the wind towers, you go, you check, you wonder, where is this aircon? We have not, no aircon. And this has become, to my surprise, uh, like one of the iconic buildings, even I don't like the word, but if it responds to what I hope to achieve, then I accept it, you know? In Kenya, TVs, they're going, keep going. Where is the architect? Where is the architect? I hope it will generate more projects, that kind. And then, like a celebration to the opening, you see chairs, whatever is like designed to allow community to gather everything that we do. And then you want to let community trusses. Like here, they decided to put the plaster, everyone will put the hand. The hand. If it helps, they do it. Last, the last project uh, is not just in Africa. In the West, if you give me a chance to do, I will look what can I do, what can I use to contribute or to respond to a client brief. I don't like this word client. I prefer to talk about partner. But at the same time, someone has to bring the money. If you don't have it, <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't do nothing. And so 
Uh, I put this because David Ajay pushed me to talk about the design and the engineering in my work. I guess I need, didn't need it to do. I just want to do something that people can use. But he said that is the level of ingenuity in my work. So you see already that I'm working with people with other knowledge, with other skills that will help me to succeed. And so this is the pavilion in Montana, far from big settlements and a wonderful place. It's actually big, but because the landscape is so monumental, you can't see it. Um, and so I arrive in this place. There is a lot of wood. I've been thinking about my mom that will say, wow, what a paradise. We will have wood to cook and to make energy. It's America, they don't need it. And I'm looking and say, okay, can I use these to do the pavilion? Of course, of course, Francis. So, and then it's so rich. They have so, filled, so much material and we could use it to do it, create this pavilion. Very simply. So guess who is this creation? Josephine, my daughter, coming to check if I did it well in America. <laughs> and that is it's very simple, wooden locks. And they have a bunch of them. If it, through the time it gets destroyed, they will replace it themselves. They don't need me. And far right is uh, Kathy and Peter, who created this so-called Tipper Rise Art Center, a wonderful place where you could do concert, where you could just um, um, stay. So from this little work, now we move in to become involved in institutional buildings. Here, because of the size, I'm trying to see how can I be inspired in Africa, in the tradition. However, here are giant trees. It can be a baobab, it can be a kapok tree, whatever. But I like how people gather around it. Why not to say, instead of say, I want to replicate the White House, what leaders in Africa are dreaming to have, or even the Buckingham Palace but then you will show the texture, which is difficult. The White House, you can just paint out, you mimic it and it looks nice. So instead of doing that, what I do is to try to learn from the tradition, how people live, how people gather. This is real democracy. It is open, everyone sees you. If you come and you stay, you're already part of it. You see who is talking, who is making the decision. So it's not like being in a place with high walls, high fence, with police and whatever, and take a decision that can be against your people. No, let's do like this. I propose to do a parliament house like Labra Palabra, a palaver tree, is the tree under which you gather in tradition in Africa to fix things. And you have to be right because your kids are looking to you, the other kids are looking, but your partner, your wife, everyone is part of it. You're gonna get things right. If not, they will come and ask you, why is it not working? This is real democracy. I mean, it's dangerous, but that is the way we have to do. And so this is just to show you the size. We wanted to create the bigger tree in an existing uh, park, you know. And this is a project. So already adding this symbol the tradition in Benin, which is very known in West Africa, is so proud about that. Oh, this man is not stupid. He is, you know, he's giving value to our tradition. And so everything is accepted. 
Now let's see if I will succeed with the construction companies, with the politics behind. But we're working, it's running. Like here ideas to, you know, you create a sort of courtyard uh, to create ventilation, to create cooling, and it helps save energy. This is all about it. Using things that we know, brisolet, whatever, and to really protect and cool the building. And so it looked like, like Labra Palau. It is open and even more open than you see here. And it is, yeah, construction is working. And it is in this place that I got the call from Manuela. So I will save this for tomorrow. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy, really crazy. And you see the size. So what I'm now trying to do, Cheshima, Yvonne, Shelly, Jean, Anne, Aravena, to see if I can succeed also in big with you that keep showing the quality that you have in giving to the world. That's what I'm trying to do. But waiting of that, give me a chance. In any project, I will, in French, they say, insouffler. I will, that sort of African enthusiasm, you know, the joy that we have to do things, I will put it in every project. Lastly, I had a discussion with Wang Shu, who taught me in this interview about Feng Shui. Hey, in Africa, we do Feng Shui. It's taking, taking care of nature, thinking about the next generation. Okay, and that's what I do. And creating enthusiasm, you know, creating space that people can gather, can celebrate. That was for a festival in Coachella. Now it became part of a community center in Palm Springs. And so I'm done. Thank you very much. So I know you're all thinking, why didn't we just have him talk for another hour and a half? Right? Uh, well, because we've got you here. So we have to also pick up on a few things. Francis, that was a very, very uh, touching, informative, and important presentation of what, um, you know, let's call it the other side of making architecture is about. And I think a lot of us here can say that it's not normally talked about in that way. And I, I think that's highly significant. And Francis, can I ask you, you, you use the word several times, and in your drawings, we actually saw some of the sketches, you've, you've also done a beautiful hand sketch of the circular lycée of the school, the, where the word gathering yeah. is always present, right? Can, can you say a bit more about how that acts as a starting point for some of your buildings, the concept of gathering? I make it very short. Yeah. I mean, I didn't finish with the serpentine. I wanted to say this city is so great to me, giving me the chance to really even show what is possible if you really if you in a very smart way for the serpentine pavilion. And so the gathering, uh, Shelly and uh, Yvonne are talking about free space. I mean, you too, you know that I love you. I love how you're trying to create things. And that is about it, just to create opportunities for people to come together. Uh, or Anne and Jean-Philippe that are trying really to give more, you know, space, more to the user, you know. And I think if you think about that, why I'm building, for whom I'm building, you know, you always you will be successful. 
because for yourself first and then because you're doing something and later you come you will see people taking ownership of the space and that's what i'm trying to do with uh, with gathering jean philippe when when we spoke just a few days ago about um, your work francis's work you you made a point that first of all you've known francis for some time seen some of the work that you yourself have worked in africa and in desert conditions uh, and you referred uh, you used the term which i i found wonderfully uh, refreshing that you find francis's work sort of the essence of modernity right and in many ways we sometimes in, in the architectural discourse think of modernity as you know white with a spiral staircase right? and that's about it can you say a little bit more about that dimension of, of modernity that you see in this work and then we'll come yeah. back because we have to we have to be of our time we have to be yeah. from today what is important it is to be from today never it's not about to what do will you will do in the future no what we can do in the future we can do it today so for me this is about modernity and this modernity that uh, francis express it is because he, he uses the most traditional materials that he can find in the earth in the with the straw but he is also so this agility to take some steel bars some corrugated aluminum and to place it on top and in this extremely free uh, agility to to combine these elements there is a, an incredibly form of modernity so in the same time you have some students studying like they were doing perhaps a uh, hundred years before but in the same time they can be able to look at their smartphones and to connect what is fantastic it is this modernity that takes all the elements uh, in an extremely free and uh, uh, light uh, system with an extreme simplicity and with a kind of immediate intelligence and, and one of one of the things which I think you also implied um, by that that the simplicity actually allows unpredictable things to happen, right? That you, not everything is planned. And I think this is something again you picked up, and it comes also to your work uh, that um, Lacaton Vassal's work has covered many building types, but certainly you focused a lot on social housing uh, and with the basic principle of never demolish anything. Even it's a tough building from the 60s, do something with it. And in Bordeaux, in particular, in the Grand Park project, uh, they uh, took a, a building and added to it, added both depth and width, right? I think interior and exterior. And in the way you talk about the buildings, I think you pick up this notion of you have to listen to the user, not just as, and that's it, you know, the process of participation or consultation. As it's called here, but much more than that. Hi, I'm interrupting this event to tell you about another awesome LSE podcast that we think you'd enjoy. LSE IQ asks social scientists and other experts to answer one intelligent question, like why do people believe in conspiracy theories, or can we afford the super rich? Come check us out. Just search for LSE IQ wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the event. This is clear that the learning from the users, learning from the, the existing situation of learning of what we have in hands, which is 
immense, which is a lot. It's uh, for the architects today, um, the most important source of inspiration and of working. We cannot say today that we could, can continue of uh, demolishing, selecting if this one or the other one is better than the other. We cannot afford that anymore. We have to, to look carefully to the values of everything, and there are always values, always. But it's important to see first the values and not to see first the problems. And when we look at values first, we find all the reasons to continue what is there. And of course, continuing is, uh, is taking care of uh, everything there, but not only buildings, but also, also people. And in the, in, in the project you mentioned in Bordeaux, it was, uh, it's in the um, modern neighborhood of the 60s, and we had to, to work on uh, the thermal renovation of uh, three blocks of 530 um, dwellings, fully occupied. And instead of just thinking to the thermics, we thought first to how to improve the quality of living of these 530 families. It means that first we propose that we would make uh, the project without removing mm. any family and with the inhabitants. So we started by a visit of uh, all the 530 peoples. And this is this, um, the other side of the thing that is very important to look at. It's not anymore a building, it's 500 wonderful situations, mm -hmm. an amazing amount of uh, personal collections. And uh, as architects, we have no right to say if it's uh, good or not. We have just to think of doing our job of improving the quality of the buildings, the space for living, which most of the time was too small, was too hot in summer. And uh, we took carefully, a careful attention of the existing without touching anything, just renovating, repairing. But we did a, a generous addition in front of all the, the apartments that most of the time doubles the former surface, uh, just to give more, uh, more space, more air, more freedom. Because it's something that we, um, we are used to do from the very beginning, observing the everyday life and how uh, people are moving, are, are using in the spaces in such a way. And it's a great, um, it's a great uh, inspiration because it, it forces to think that finally the space that we are uh, designing as architects should offer always uh, this, this freedom for the users of uh, living as they want to do. I mean, you, you, you have used and you've already implied uh, the notion of freedom, the notion of space, as sort of central to, to this work. Um, and by the way, what you just described, probably in this country, London in particular, uh, it's exactly the opposite approach to what to do with 60s and 70s housing, which is demolish, get rid of people, uh, and, um, and rebuild the new, um, you know, leaving aside even the resources issue, uh, being creating a cycle then, which is obviously highly problematic at the social level. Uh, but if I think of the terms that you've been using of freedom and space, I can't not think of the fact that Yvonne and Shelley a few years ago did a wonderful exhibition at the Venice Biennale called Free Space. In fact, it's one of your favorite keywords as well. And you're all, mm -hmm. can I ask Yvonne to expand on what that really means and how, how do you use it as a, as a starting point in your architecture, even refer to art buildings? Well, 
When Maybe we, you need to be a bit sorry, closer. Okay. Yeah. When we were uh, invited to be directors of the Venice Biennale, they, uh, the, the requirement is that you have a, a theme, have, a, have a, a focus. And we did not want to focus on, on uh, the object, architecture no. as object. So we wanted it to be a free space. And listening to, to Francis' beautiful lecture, that it's the, it's the space between. It's mm. actually not the, uh, the buildings uh, themselves. It's actually what they, what the void. We, we talk about Alejandro de la Sota, you know, that uh, architects should make as much nothing as possible, that people mm. stand in the void. Mm. And just in terms of uh, what, what free space is really challenging for us as a profession is that every project needs some in invention. It needs something which is not in the brief. Like architecture is a commissioned uh, discipline. So you get the needs of the clients or the patriots or the, the, uh, your friends to make a building. But then there's another ingredient which we uh, as a, a profession have to secretly find, which is the gift mm -hmm. to strangers, mm -hmm. the unsaid thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we talked just in terms of the building just finished that there's a bench on the inside, which is, we love benches, and especially when you present them, uh, Francis, that benches are really chairs that have become democratic. So there's a bench on the inside for mm. people, and, and there's a bench on the outside for the stranger, and it's a space. So in, in the building next door, we lifted everything up so that the great hall is a gift to the, so it's finding yeah. an ingredient that's not in the function of uh, requirements, but it's something else. And that's the challenge for, the, uh, I was reading Albert Einstein, I kind of brought it here. I thought it was an interesting thing in terms of, it's just a, a quote from Einstein. I think this is interesting. He talks about creativity is intelligence having fun. Imagination is more important than knowledge and knowledge is limited, but imagination encircles the world. And with the London School of Economics, mm. and you're encircling the world and thinking about the world in Francis today, that, that imagination is within the discipline of architecture, finding something that's the, the need of your spirit and the need of sharing. Mm. So free space was really a, a, a T-shirt that said, architects find some other ingredient that we can gift that the client is paying for, but something else happens. But not only the imagination of the architects, also the how the architecture fosters the imagination of the users. Yes. Yes, that's, that's a, I think, a fundamental point that um, the, the architecture is a, is a container, effectively, like a city is a container for social activity. And the less you plan that, maybe the better, the more successful it is. I think you were talking about that. I think it's... Um, Something about we have it is clear that we have to answer to the needs, um, and we have to propose some comfort. But comfort is not a good term, I think. So we could talk about luxury, but I think the the, the word is strange. Beauty. Uh, I, I think what is really important it is at one moment that somebody is able to feel inside a space happy. Mm. He feels happy. And he's happy because he is in that space, because he's in that space and because of that space. Mm -hmm. And I think this mm -hmm. is the most important. I mean, just to take, sorry, Yvonne, your point of the, the bench outside, and for those of us who inhabit this university, it's the most popular bench in London. I mean, there, you can't <laughs> find a seat there uh, right. at, after four o'clock when the sun turns round 
uh, and this is independent of alcohol use. <laughs> could, could I just say something? I, I a bit closer to the mic, please. I love Jean-Philippe's um, description of France's work being the essence of modernity. And in a way, what I think is fantastic about that description is that it's so pertinent and it's so important now your position in the world. And it, it, for people always say we have to go back to basics, but in a way we have to go forward to basics. I don't think it's back. It's actually rediscovering and going forward. And that's what I love about the description of the work being the essence of uh, modernity. And there's also a purity about your work because the other thing about free space was the free space of the imagination that you can take from other cultures, from history, from uh, the, from ancient history, from the most contemporary work. But as architects, we're free floating kind of scavengers in a way, you know, trying to gather things. But there is a purity about your work, which I think comes from what you speak about, the big heart. And I think that's fantastic today. Please. No, um, I have forgotten to <laughs> say to the two or uh, the four of you, congratulations, you know, and then having seen people that we work together, Ravina just said at the beginning to say we had a, a meeting in Spain and then we were there. There were people that we were looking also to, but Ravina just said we was like in the kinder, uh, the, the, the child table, the kinder table. Um, not to see, so no matter in which constellation, we see here that we're providing a great service to humanity. And for me, nothing can be better than that. And so it is what we have to do, you know? And then I love benches, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was even thinking, how can we keep up this? But, uh, we, we, we want you to have it. We want the London people really to use it. And that's what remain, you know? People will have memories about that. Other kids will be inspired to do so. I mean, if you, you know, I'm, I'm referring to my uncle and my aunt being here, I would have loved more for my family to be here and understand, but we have been refused a visa, which is not a problem. I still love London. <laughs> it's, not, it's not you guys that are, again, it's about politics. And we think that it is important to give more voices like those five here, those six here, those seven here, those eight here, to keep going and giving a chance to express, you know. Tomorrow I will say you what my daughter told me about your, your building, if I don't forget it. Okay. Yeah. Yvonne, could, could I just say that one of the wonderful things I got from your lecture is that when you when you talk about only having few resources, then you have people involved. And that sense of community involvement, if you're, you're the women with the drums making, that floor means something to you, you know, as a community. That when you think of the, the so-called uh, uh, the abundance we have in the West, people are also distant from it. I mean, even in the School of Architecture, we were kind of, it was a bit like the stork. You thought that buildings arrived fully formed. You never thought of the kind of strangulation and grief and power of, of the imagination to make a sketch to a building. But what I found beautiful was to, and it, it must be very different here because in, in the West, we're separated by the contract, we're se separated by the construction industry. So buildings are kind of finished somehow. But I loved, the, and I remember seeing an exhibition of the women through the drums making that floor that you yeah. described in New York. Yeah. Uh, there was a video showing that. But that whole sense of involvement is something that I think 
you describe beautifully. And even though the resources might be little, that's a huge connection between building space, materiality, and making. Tim, you see, they love what we're doing. We should keep doing it. No, this is. I think, Shelley, maybe you could pick up on part of this. Uh, again, one of the key words that binds all your work together, apart from free space, is the notion of generosity. I think, again, I find it very often in your writings and, and uh, the description of the work you do. I think what is interesting to an audience, which maybe is not just made up of designers, but you know, globally, as well as in the room, uh, the notion of an architect being generous needs some elaboration. Right. What are the spatial devices that you have to hand? I mean, we, we, we saw uh, in, in your schools, in your layouts, that just the provision of a space in and of itself is a generous act. But can you develop that? Well, we've learned a lot from Italy um, as students and having been very lucky to work there. But from a very long time in the past, what we've always been amazed at is how civic space in Italy can exist in Italian piazzas, even with the most defensive buildings creating that space. Simply, for instance, the Medici's in Florence, that they make this really defensive wall with these really heavy bars and big doors, and it's about money and power, but there's a stone, we don't want to one about the bench, but there is a stone bench which is integrated into the wall. And suddenly the, the space, it, it turns inside out. What's being made is a, is a, is a civic space oh. by a few small gestures that the room of the public space, no matter what the political con conditions, that it's open for the use of citizens, rich or poor or whatever. Uh -huh. And that's something that's at the core of architecture, I think, that, that necessity, but also the capacity to have an element of generosity which engages with the citizen. And that's what you in your research, and um, we see Richard Sennett here, and we've read all your books nearly. And it's, it's fantastic, that whole thing about civic space, how spaces make you behave in a certain way, how uh, the thing of fear, the thing of not fear, because cities are such complex things. So the rooms of the city are as more important, you could say, are as important as the buildings that we make in them. And sometimes turning architecture inside out is really important. Mm. And that requires, in some cases, the architect being modest and standing back. <clears throat> yeah, there is, there is no reason not to be modest. And, uh, oh. and uh, yeah. <laughs> In fact, and, and just to, to come back to this um, word of generosity, which mm. is so important in all our works, but what uh, Francis showed uh, today uh, also showed that it's also very important for him. For me, generosity is uh, first that you trust and you believe in people, mm. that you believe that uh, people are able to be responsible and to, to they, they, they will be able to continue uh, the construction of the space and the use of the space. And probably it's a basis of uh, to trust in, in people and not to think that you alone as an architect, you have the knowledge. That's very interesting. In a moment, I'll come to the room and virtually uh, to pick up some questions. So think about them and make them concise and short. 
uh, I think that's an important. Uh, Shelley, we were talking about um, the notion of the urban commons, which I think is what mm -hmm. you were referring to, which is mm -hmm. very mainstream now as a discussion, um, both amongst, um, let's call it, uh, commentators, urban commentators, but also policymakers. I mean, the mayor of Milan, uh, I'm now moving into urbanism, obviously, you, you would expect that from it, but we plan. were on um, master plan, no master plan, as we saw. But the, the mayor of Paris actually used the notion of urban commons as um, a slogan, as a manifesto, effectively got her re-elected, which is quite interesting. You you use that word, no building commons, so as 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 a concept. Um, is is that something which you feel, perhaps your comment earlier, uh, Yvonne, you put your finger on it. It's the the moment is now. <laughs> Yeah. It's sort of come back into the architectural debate in a way that perhaps um, the modernist, the modernist manifesto, and particularly, I'm you know thinking of the Charter of Athens, which has shaped so many environments in a way which is probably not uh, as subtle in terms of creating uh, the relationship between humanity and architecture as one could imagine. Do, do you see that as a sort of a, a necessity in your work? Yes, it absolutely it is. Um, it, it is an, I think it's um, this question uh, when uh, uh, the first image of the of Gando and of the school and um, this idea of there is no urban plan, there is no master plan seems for us extremely important because today we are just w working in the existing city, in the existing landscape, in the existing situation. So we start from what ex is already existing. We start from the life. We start from the proximity to each situation. Um, and this, and the, we start from the real. Um, so um, probably there is an inversion on the systems. Perhaps before we were making master plans or urban plans, and after that we had the possibility to make some architectural architectural objects, and today this idea is to transform the city, to transform, to start from what exists, and detail by detail with extreme proximity to look at what is is uh, something is missing. Can we add something? Uh, what could be repaired? Uh, can we defend? Uh, this quality that is some, sometimes said, there is a tree on this plaza and they want to, to demolish, to cut it. No, can we keep it? Can we? So all it, we have to start with the precision. So first, it's perhaps with uh, the architect uh, vision, the architect uh, A, precision sensibility that the urban plan will be developed further. And I think this inversion of the system for me is very, very important. Let's take uh, a few questions, so if I could see hands. Margaret there. is there. We forgot him. Behind the mask. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Glenn Merkish. Glenn is here. From Australia. So one question from, one, hold just one sec, then over there. Thank you. Any, and gentlemen further up. Okay. Ready to go? Ready to go. Tell us Thank who you. you are, just in case we don't know. Thank you. <laughs> um, Francis, uh, I was one of the privileged members of the Pritzker jury that visited Burkina Faso with Alejandro. And uh, we had a very remarkable trip that day. Uh, we were very lucky to have Alejandro with us because I think he was going to be taken by another village, uh, having gone into the village very quickly and they 
they were very angry, weren't they, at the time. Um, uh, I would like to suggest that I'm reminded of the book by Rudolfsky, Architecture Without Architects. And I'm also put forward the idea that architecture is about the clarification of the essential. And it's not about an architect saying, this is what I wanted, and that's what I wanted to do. It's about asking, what are the issues that need to be addressed? And in the clarification of the essential, I think it possesses the potential for a timelessness. And I think in your work, there is a timelessness because it is not addressing the things I want to do. It's about the things that were absolutely essential to do to address the issues and understand that simplicity is the other face of complexity. To that, I ask, what do you say? <laughs> First, I would say, uh, if we didn't see you, you could hide yourself and so just melt with the group. And so I'm very happy that you're here. And I was telling the story that I was planning to travel. I just told them his story. And then I was so excited to trip around Australia and then with the finish to be picked up by yourself and drive, which is true. He was coming to Sydney, Francis, guys, Margaret, and bring to his place. And I was looking forward to learn. And suddenly, because of COVID, I had to postpone. And I told the group, I even driven trust myself to write you to say, I'm so sorry I couldn't come. I let other do that because it was break, breaking my heart. No, what you said about my work is, I think it's, for me, it's unbelievable. You, to know it, you may feel it, that see the size of your work and the connection to nature, how you deal, you know, um, to you, your behavior with nature and uh, eucalyptus trees that I have been seeing as a stupid thing through you, through thinking how I can use these the best way to do a structure that serves people the best, both that I can use it, you know, and to create space that I will enjoy later and where they could teach the people or stay inside is what I have learned from you. And listening to you say that is the essential, I mean, hey, <laughs> that, is, that is it. And I'm so proud to have you here today. No, that is it. It's about the essential. So don't expect from me to know the key word about what it is. So for me, it's in your DNA. You have to be who you are and just do the things. And you will have clever people that put the description on it. For me, it was essential to use my skill to create structure with the people. And that's why I say there is no master plan. It is, there is a need. Okay, we check how we, we can fix it and how we can make it the best way that it stay longer. Uh, we may say that is the thinking in the back. No, for me it is, what is it if the break and no one can fix it? So that is what I will do. And so it can that I just use a way that people work together to say, let many people as possible be involved. You know, human being is not ma made to stay forever. I can collapse here and it's finished. But at least I want one person in my village to fix the building for the other kids. Mm -hmm. This is how I think. So, 
gentleman over there on, the, on yeah thank you tell us who you are please if you can stand up that's great if you'd like to okay okay uh, thank you very much francis it's a pleasure being here with you um i'm also about the other and all of you of course but my, sorry but my question is um, right to you uh, because I'm an architect, I also come from an undeveloped country. I'm from Colombia, and I have been working with uh, vulnerable, vulnerable communities for five years. And I could realize that any, every time that I designed something for, for those communities, uh, the building that I designed ends up being used in a different way than I thought, because um, the scarcity that they have of spaces or, or the lack of spaces to use um, just, I, I don't know, push them to use a school as a gather point for an, a meet for meetings or as, I don't know, as a market or as many other uses. Um, and at this point of my career, my biggest question is how to make buildings uh, more flexible not to be used only as the architect planted, but as the community needed to be used, and not only in the schedule that it means to be used, for example, in a school during the morning or during the afternoon, but also during the different hours of the day, because there are plenty of some other groups uh, that needs to use it even in the night. Thank you very much. You want to pick up yeah. on this and then? Uh, yeah. Well, this notion of flexibility is so much part of uh, your, uh, and then you. Yeah. Very, very quickly, I think it's very important to 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 make spaces with qualities, not necessary for functions. Mm. What is important it is to define some qualities: narrow, big, large, high, dark, or full of light, mm. and mm -hmm. the programs will take place mm. in these qualities. This is what is essential any program and this program will be able to change because it will be adapt it will adapt to these qualities francis uh, adding to that i mean if we you can visit the newest building uh, that is next by uh, you will see how you really can create opportunities within a given uh, project um it's it's about how you really think what is really needed and really make the building be itself so uh, flexible so that is not just focused on one function like in gando you will see that like an open space can be uh, a place where they serve food you know and that should be possible and not to dictate but in terms of design that is how do you design it like in this wonderful place and where you connected even to from a conference room to watch to the park i have already been in your building i'm sorry and so but also to connect to the road and whatever is it is essential you know and you will succeed that is a big need in colombia Juanca uh, is in my office is coming from colombia and then we're working in berlin Surely. you should not give up that is it i just want to make one point which is nothing to do with the previous you have to... question nothing to do with the previous question but um I just thought that your parliament building was fantastic. And it's to do with the issue of scale, that you obviously can do as big as you need or as small as you yeah. need. And that's like being 
I mean, that's amazing. And I remember meeting Francis for breakfast by chance in Mendrisio. And I said, how's it going? What are you doing? And you said you were building um, uh, a theater for 1,000 people, which was movable in Tempelhof. Berlin. And, uh, sorry, in yeah, Berlin. Yeah, yeah, in Tempelhof in Berlin. Berlin. Yeah. And, you know, first thing at breakfast, getting, meeting this guy who's building a movable theater for 1,000 people wakes you up. And he was saying as if it was absolutely normal. It's no problem. I have the plans. I know how to do it. And I just thought your parliament building was fantastic. And it was also very interesting that you raised everything up off the ground, which is what we tried to do across the road, to raise things off the ground and let life in. And it, it just felt so gracious, so natural, so easy, so relaxed, so sophisticated, not nostalgic, nothing token about it. It just felt like a wonderful place. So it's just that thing of scale. Being able to jump scale. I have a few questions. I'm not. I'm not that I'm being bored and reading my notes here. And these are the questions coming around from uh, from the world. And uh, two questions, and then I think we're going to have to unfortunately uh, wind up. One is from Aya, who's an interior designer from the Philippines, and it's a very important question for a university. How can we incorporate community-oriented design principles and values in our design education and education system? Obviously, Minush. We've done it here already, so it's, uh, uh, but um, but for design schools, you all teach, and I think just pause with that, and maybe not all of you answer that, but one one or two of you pick that up, and then um, we have Abdullah Haibe. I'm not sure where from, but this is to you, Francis, and I'll come at the end and ask you to answer this. As a child of Africa, studying architecture in London, you have been a key reference for me since my first year of university. With a massive change the continent is going through, what areas should future generations of African architects keep in mind whilst engaging in social infrastructure? So we'll come to that in a moment. But just some thoughts on the education. I mean, you all teach. How do you how do you teach this stuff? Mainly, architecture schools don't. It's probably quite an important way of starting it. But um. Yvonne. Uh, I think it's what I'm learning today mm. from listening to the clarity of, of your lecture, Francis. It's about a value system and also uh, what you value uh, culturally and what you value about place. I mean, future generations of architects will be dealing with uh, fewer resources and uh, becoming more and more aware of the, uh, of the earth as client, uh -huh. which we refer to. And on Saturday morning, I'm going to an exhibition down in the Barbican in terms of mm. uh, sustainability. I don't know yet. I hope it's as good as it looks mm. as, it is, yeah. as it is. But essentially, we are all in this together. And I think schools of architecture, uh, which are training uh, or here in, in, a, in a place which is a university, we're trying to carve a future that is benign and shared and caring and generous and that we learn techniques to bring those value systems into making and that uh -huh. resources are thought about. Thank you. Probably the most difficult is to introduce um, a different way of education and to say that the time before designing is extremely important and that we don't have to skip it. It's a time to understand where we are, to understand the questions, to, uh, to look precisely uh, around us and to... Uh, to check the values and uh, uh, and and I feel 
not today because I was educated in that way. We were too much educated to start very fast to design because we want to do something. We want to, and many times today, there is no design to do. There is just to evaluate the situations. And sometimes the solution is, is not in a big design, it's in, in changing things. Or And we have to, um, uh, to give uh, much importance to this today to say that uh, the, 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 the value of architecture is not always building big things. Thank you. Franz, go ahead. Jean-Philippe. Oh, yeah. No, I think um, because we, yes, we see some young, young people uh, in the schools um, and what we see that uh, they, are, they are full of energy and they are full of love. And I think mm. uh, we, we, we love what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is extremely important. And uh, there is a, at one point, perhaps we should not be too much professionals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And because the fear of the students with all this love and energy that they have in the school, it is at one point, will I, uh, I will be a good professional? No, this is not so important. What is important, it is to continue to love with a lot of passion. And with that, you can do extraordinary things. Thank you for that. Francis, last word, and maybe you could address that question about yeah. Africa. No, but I wanted to just, yeah. Fine. quickly and say we taught together in Mendrisio. Now I'm teaching in Berlin. No, in Munich, I have to say it because of the university. <laughs> this is your dream, Berlin. No, no, in Munich, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, you remember what I was doing in Mendrisio. I arrived, there was this, uh, um, this school, we, you had names, yeah, that were doing different things and a lot. And then also we have the two of you. Um, and then, you know, that I was always in your place, like for critics. Uh, but then there is a seeing I was asking, what is my role, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not into all of these European culture and architecture. What I did, because of the energy of these young people, I just decided, I just first semester, I just decided, okay, let's warm up. I say, okay, we have a studio, but I want us to build something. I even didn't say what it will be. I wanted the student to be active, to get to know what is material. I started to talk to them. I realized I couldn't express. And so what happened is uh, we've been waiting and we said, I need material. I need clay. I need bamboo. I need whatever you can find. There was like two young Italian student girl. And um, one day I just arrived at school. I said, but keep talking, keep, keep talking. I want to see the material. Oh, professor, but we have to make a list and send to the school and have a budget mm. and just go to buy the material for, 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 for this. I said, what? <laughs> I, I, I was shocked. And that was in Switzerland. But I pushed them the way that the next day, these two young, almost fragile girls have been seen at school with two giant tracks. I don't know if it's 80 tons, but Andrea is here to confirm. Two, looking for a place in Nigeria to put the dirt from a construction site so that we can use it. And then, oh, you know, it's not a story. This is how I am. I'm making stupid things without knowing. Everyone was like at the school. And Mendrisio, we have big names, believe me. I'm right. So, and then people was looking to me, but that is how I used to work. And then with the student, we start to build 
It was raining, we built a clay wall. And there was a letter of skepticism. I remember one student came to tell me, don't think Mario Botta will come and stay and look that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I said to her, nothing. It's those just mimicking like mannerism and what, and not to put the finger in the dirt. Afterward, I, was, I saw myself every day with Mario Botta sitting and leaning on this muddy wall. <laughs> I saw all of my colleagues coming to admire, oh, Francis, we wanted to do the same. But, you know, we didn't trust ourselves. Why you don't trust yourself? You know, why? Because we are stuck in the system and that avoid invention. We are over secure. No one wants to move. And then you fear if you move, they will shut you. I think if, if you can help me, help me to be serene, to keep being fearless and just do things in Germany that say that peinlich. I don't know what it is. You feel ashamed. No, if we lost like this curiosity, being kids to make mistakes, we cannot just teach young people for tomorrow. It will be effortless. Sorry, I, I went no, no. too far. It will be effortless for you to continue that train of thought around the last question about Africa. What, what are your concluding so, recommendations? To say there is no example that I can give to you, uh, my dear friend, um, that you have to look around yourself, your community. What is needed? How can I involve myself? And my example may not be the right one in the place where you are, but it's about to figure out what is the need and how can I get people, if there is need, to involve them, how can I get them pushed? You may act in a little hired room and Priska will find you. <laughs> so in a moment, before you, before you join me in thanking everyone and applauding, um, I want to obviously congratulate the Pritzker jury for making such bloody good decisions, right? I mean, there's a consistent theme. Alejandro, you read out the questions that, you know, in a way the profession and everyone else needs to address. And I think there's a, a richness, modesty as well uh, from the panelists here today uh, about what architecture means and its social implications. So I want to thank the jury. I want to thank the Pritzker prize, the family for uh, having made this whole thing possible for the last 40 years. Um, thank everyone at the LSE and LSE cities who's uh, made the organization of this event happen. We never have lunchtime lectures, by the way, so it's uh, unheard of and it's very exciting Good that try. it's happened. So join me in thanking these wonderful architects. Thank you. thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the LSE Events Podcast on your favorite podcast app and help other listeners discover us by leaving a review. Visit lse.ac.uk forward slash events to find out what's on next. We hope you join us at another LSE event soon.